بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ما يحده الله فلا مضل له وما يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So I'd like to welcome everybody to uh, this evening of lectures by some of the uh, Mashaykh who are visiting us from, from abroad and Alhamdulillah we are gathered in a house among the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to receive uh, admonition and a reminder and to seek uh, the ilm of that which the scholars throughout the centuries have expended great efforts to acquire, to purify, to preserve and to convey in a trustworthy manner. And I want to introduce the evening just with a short reminder to do with seeking knowledge and being patient upon seeking knowledge and balancing between the trials and the tests of life and the rights that we have in terms of the worldly affairs to balance that with knowledge and vice versa to balance seeking knowledge with the rights of in terms of the dunya and the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi said in an authentic hadith, Ihris ala ma yanfa'uk. Be eager for that which will benefit you. Wasta'in billah. And seek aid from Allah. Wala ta'ajiz. And do not become, do not be rendered incapable or feel that you don't have uh, the means or the, or the capacity. So here we are commanded to pursue that which is of benefit to us. And this obviously is knowledge and seeking knowledge. And that's why we see explained in the Quran and in the Sunnah the virtues of seeking knowledge from the hadith is the statement of the Messenger of Allah. To whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, He will grant him understanding of the religion. Likewise, the famous hadith of Abu Darda radiallahu anhu that you know speaking about seeking knowledge so the messenger of Allah Sallam said in that lengthy hadith man salaka tariqan yabtaghi fihi ilman salaka allahu bihi tariqan ilal jannah whoever sets out on a path seeking knowledge then Allah will make easy for him a path to paradise indeed the angels they spread out their wings out of pleasure for the seeker of knowledge. And indeed, the scholar, everything, seeks forgiveness for him that is in the heavens and the earth until even the fish that is in the water. And the excellence of the scholar, the excellence of the scholar over the worshipper is like the excellence of the moon over all of the other stars 
And indeed, the scholars in the ulama, Warathatul Anbiya, they are the inheritors of the prophets. And indeed, the prophets, they do not leave neither dinar nor dirham as inheritance, but they leave knowledge. So whoever takes from that knowledge, then indeed he has taken with a great and mighty portion. And so in what follows, inshallah ta'ala, I want to just give a handful of examples from the people of knowledge and the way in which they sought knowledge and the efforts they had to go through, the sacrifices they had to make, and for us to reflect upon that and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his mercy and from his bounty has made it easy for us in the modern life to travel with ease, to travel vast distances by plane. And our the Mashaykh who are coming this evening to give lectures, uh, Sheikh Hassan, Sheikh Owais, Sheikh Abdullah, they've all traveled from abroad, from Medina, from Morocco, from America. And this is with the ease of traveling on, on an airplane. And then to travel by car, as many of you, as all of us have come today, the ease with, with which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened up the ability to travel, to seek knowledge. And not only that, to have knowledge at our fingertips by way of technology and development of communication. And perhaps in a way, maybe it's the case that because of the ease with which we are able to seek knowledge, that that knowledge doesn't have the same value that it would have in the hearts of the scholars some examples of which we are going to give today inshallah so you can see why that knowledge held such a value in their hearts and why we are unable to treat that knowledge with the same value and this is so that we can recognize our own shortcomings and deficiencies and the fact that we can never we can never be like those great scholars and this should then encourage us to strive even further and to seek forgiveness and our, for our shortcomings and to realize the efforts that we, that we have to make in order to uh, be safe in our religion by gaining knowledge and fiqh and to be safe from trials and the necessity of, of striving despite or, or alongside the ease with which Allah has made things for us, travel to hear knowledge, to record knowledge, and all these other benefits that we have in the modern, modern life, which are from the favors and bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first example I want to start with is the example of Abu Hatim al-Razi, rahimahullah ta'ala, from the great scholars of the third century hijrah. And he says, he mentions that the first year in which I left for knowledge to seek hadith, I spent seven years and I enumerated the distance which I walked upon my two feet. And that distance was, he said, it was more than a thousand farsakh. A thousand farsakh. And one farsakh is equal to Eight, just over 8 kilometers, about 8.3 kilometers. So that would mean that he walked on his feet 
8,300 kilometers, which is around five and a half, six thousand miles. So he says, then after that, I abandoned counting. It was too much to, to count. So he said, So I came from uh, Bahrain. And so the Bahrain in that time is not the Bahrain today. The Bahrain in that time was simply the eastern part of Arabia, known as Al-Ahsa. Right? So he started from there, he came. Ila Misr, Mashiyan. So I came from basically one side of the peninsula to the other side, to the western part, towards to Misr, which today uh, would be Egypt. Thumma ila Ramla. Then he went into what is Palestine, which is near Bayt al-Maqdis, Ramla, Mashiyan. Thumma ila Dimashq. So from there he then went across to uh, up to Syria, uh, Damascus, and then. He said, Thumma ila Antakya, which is Antioch. So now he's moving north up towards the southern part of modern day Turkey. Thumma ila Tarsus, which is a nearby place uh, in the same region. Thumma raja'atu ila Hims. Then I came down to Hims, back down into Syria. Thumma minha ila Raqqa. Thumma rakabtu ila. Uh, so then he then made his way to Iraq and all of this while I am at the age of 20 years so this is Abu Hatim al-Razi uh, seeking knowledge seeking hadith and like I said to you the amount of effort you have to put in to acquire something whether it is knowledge whether it is wealth whether it is even friendship, you know, friendships which you acquire, trustworthy friendship over long, long periods of time, then the more that, that has value in your heart. And that's why the, these scholars, as you, as you listen to more of these stories, you can see why that knowledge took root in their hearts and they valued it so greatly. Another example here would be Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, and he's uh, describing about himself whilst he is writing the book Jami'ul Masanid, in which he brings together a hadith and the, uh, the, the isnads. So he says, I did not cease to write during the night. While the, the lamp would flicker. So when you, when you have the lamp with oil, sometimes it you know, flickers and there's more light, sometimes there's less light. So in that, in that way, he's writing at night time until he says, Until he lost his eyesight on account of you know, uh, writing in this way, which obviously causes a strain and the flickering. And so eventually... He lost his eyesight. So this is what these scholars, when we read Tafsir ibn Kathir and we read the other books these scholars wrote, we don't forget, or we, we, we forget and we don't remember that what these scholars expended of effort just so that we today can open a book with ease and read that knowledge. Likewise, uh, this, uh, from Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, 
and he said uh, that I used to love the sweetness of seeking knowledge and I would encounter so many difficulties but those difficulties ما هو عندي أحلى من العسل so in other words in seeking knowledge there would be so many hardships and difficulties but within those hardships to feel that hardship that itself would be more sweet it would be sweeter than honey to taste that hardship لأجل ما أطلب وأرجو just because of like the, the love of what I'm seeking and pursuing of knowledge so he said I was in the youth كنتو في زمان السبأ uh, and I would take with me round buns of bread which were really tough and hard. Right? So you couldn't, you couldn't actually bite the bread because it was that, that hard. So then I would uh, travel, I would seek knowledge and I would stop at certain places in a place called Isa. But this is a region in Iraq, south of Baghdad where there's little... Uh, villages and you know and there's like streams and, and rivers so he would stop in order to dip the hard bread or to, to eat it but with the water because you couldn't eat it any any other way and so he would he would continue like this and um, he would and, 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 and so this was only in order to pursue knowledge so basically uh, there was you know, this uh, sweetness that he would taste would be the taste of knowledge, not the, not, not the bread. So when he acquired the knowledge, the acquisition of knowledge would be so great and would be so sweet that whatever hardship and the, the food and whatever, it wouldn't mean anything. Uh, another example is from Imam Ahmed, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And Imam Ahmed, he traveled to Yemen. And whilst he was in Yemen, his clothing was stolen. Somebody stole his, his clothing, his thobes. And so what he did is that he remained in the house and he closed the door. And when his companions, the associates, they couldn't find where he was, they came to him and they said to him outside the house, what happened? So he told them what, what happened. So then they offered him some gold, some pieces of gold. And he didn't accept it. Imam Ahmed, he refused to take that money for nothing. So then, what he did was, he took one dinar, but only on the basis that he would offer them a service, which would be to write or to inscribe knowledge, or to copy or to, to, to transcribe. And so he took that dinar, basically as, as ujra, meaning as uh, like a rental, as like for, for his service. He wouldn't take anything for nothing. And so then he wrote books for them and he wrote, you know, books on that basis. So here, even in seeking knowledge, look at the honor and the dignity of the people of knowledge in that they are not taking any money because there are many elements to this, which is sincerity and struggling and striving and having no health, having no portion for anything except seeking the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so once again, this is why we see why were these scholars great scholars because this is 
what they had to go through in order to acquire this knowledge which then Allah Allah caused them to be to be remembered because of their sincerity and that knowledge was transmitted and that's why today we can gain fiqh in our religion because of the efforts of these scholars because of incidents like this also Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala which is the most authentic book after the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and again we do not have any appreciation of what these scholars went through so Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah he as mentioned by al-Khatib al-Baghdadi rahimahullah in his tarjama in his biography of Imam al-Bukhari he mentions that uh, narrating from Umar bin Hafs al-Ashqar said that the people who were with al-Bukhari they lost him they couldn't trace him for a couple of days because they were all writing hadith together in al-Basra then he disappeared so they couldn't find where's, where's uh, Imam al-Bukhari gone so they said so we started looking for him and eventually we found him in a house and he was in that house he was naked with no clothing and what had happened is is that his clothing worn out torn to tatters he basically the, the clothing had, had gone he had nothing literally to wear so they said so we gathered together and we bought some we, we brought some uh, money some dirhams together until we managed to buy him a thobe and then we clothed him and then he came back to us once again writing hadith so when you read al-bukhari then remember that imam al-bukhari went through these efforts to the extent that just having one item of clothing expired, worn, finished, could no longer be worn again, and out of, you know, uh, he kept himself in the house because of that reason. He couldn't come out for that reason until his companions had to come and buy him a thorpe. And even he didn't come out until he didn't start asking for help and start begging and saying this and that, whatever. In dignity and honor, he remained in his house until his companions found it strange and then they came to find him and then asked him what's happened and then you know this is this is this is Allah bringing help and assistance to Imam al-Bukhari without him losing his dignity and honor maintaining his dignity and honor and until even more than that Imam al-Bukhari he even used to eat had to eat from the grass from the from the ground as we see, he would have no food with him to eat, and he would say himself, as he mentions about himself, uh, as is mentioned in Seer Alam Nubula, he says, Kharajtu ila Adam ibn Abi Iyas fi Asqalan. So he went to Asqalan, place called Asqalan, which is in uh, Palestine. So he said, Fatakhalafat anni nafakati hatta jaaltu atana walu hashish al ard. All of my, what I wanted to spend had expired. And so then I had to start eating from the, like the growth, the herbage from the earth. And I would not tell anybody this. 
So he did not tell anybody, he did not complain to anybody. And this is how he would feed himself. So one, on the third day of eating from the, the grass and the, from the herbage from the ground, someone came to me and I did, did not know who it, who it was. And he gave to me a bag, a container of dinars. And he said, spend this upon yourself. So again, once again we see he spent a few days, didn't complain to anybody, didn't go to anybody, didn't beg for food, didn't... And he tried to, you know, get, get by in this manner, maintain his honor, maintain his dignity, until Allah brought relief and help to him. Right? This is the way, this is the character and the effort of these scholars who, who brought us uh, this knowledge. Likewise, we have um, Abu Hatim, rahimahullah, and... He says the hardships that he went through in seeking knowledge. And he says that in the year 214 after Hijrah, I was spent eight months in Basra. And it was my intention to stay there for about a year. But all of my expenditure, my wealth, it expired. So then I began to uh, sell my clothes until I was able to remain there a bit longer, until all of that expired as well. Right? So even the clothes that he wore, that he brought, he had to sell them just in order to be able to keep seeking knowledge. And then also he says that I had a friend with me who's on the journey, and we would go to the Mashaykh and we would listen to the Hadith until the evening. And then my friend would leave and I would go to my house or where he was staying and all I had was to drink water, no food. And then in the morning, my companion would come, then we would go again to seek knowledge and I would remain with him listening to hadith upon this great hunger without any food. And then I would return back hungry. Then the next day, when the companion came to me, and said, let's go, let's go and listen to knowledge. He said, I'm unable to come because I am, I'm da'if, I'm, I'm so weak that I'm unable to, to come out. So his companion said, ma da'fuk, what's, what's caused you to be so weak? He said, I will not hide anything from you. I've spent two days, I've not eaten anything therein. And so this companion said, I have got left one dinar. I have one dinar with me. I will give one half to you and we'll leave the other half in order to pay if we want to, you know, uh, someone's service for whatever it might be, travel or something like this. So we'll keep that one half. And so therefore we left Al-Basra and I had with me one half of a dinar. One half of a dinar. So these are just small, a few simple examples from the scholars. There are many, many more just so you can see the efforts expended by these ulama, by these scholars, by these great noble scholars, as a result of which we today can have in our hands this ilm. And so to really round off, I don't want to continue any longer, 
to, to round off, we have to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said, that we have in our possession all of these ways and means by which knowledge is literally in our fingertips, at our fingertips. We are able to travel with the ease of the car, of the airplane, of the train, of the bus. The food is everywhere. And we don't think twice about these favors and bounties. And that's one of the reasons why the knowledge that we acquire doesn't have the value of the knowledge that Imam al-Bukhari acquired, or Imam Ahmed acquired, or Abu Hatim acquired. Because look at the efforts that they had to go through in order to just listen to, to a hadith. And then on top of that, there is the fiqh, the understanding. And so, uh, so in light of that, this is just a small reminder to myself, first and foremost, an encouragement to all of you. Alhamdulillah, doesn't mean that just because, uh, obviously Allah has made it easy for us, but there is a level of striving that we still have to go through to leave your home, to leave your family, to even to travel by plane, by train, by car. There's still effort, there's still... You know, uh, you know, becoming tired and unwary. All of that is still there, alhamdulillah. So it's still some effort. But given this ease, then it means there's no excuse for us not to seek this ilm and to remove this jahl from ourselves and to seek this fiqh, fiqh of creed first and foremost, of the aqidah, of tawheed, which is the foundation and then fiqh in the ibadat, in the acts of worship, and then in the mu'amalat, in the dealings that we have. All of this is obligatory upon us to seek this ilm, and we have to strike a balance, as I said, between the dunya and likewise the, the deen. Uh, as we see in the Qur'an, when uh, the people said to Qarun, وَلَا تَنْسَ نَصِيبَكَ مِنَ dunya," Do not forget your portion of the world. So alongside seeking knowledge, there are rights, there are duties, there are obligations. And that's why we see in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he said, فَإِنَّ لِزَوْجِكَ عَلِيكَ حَقًّا وَلِزَوْرِكَ عَلِيكَ حَقًّا وَلِجَسَدِكَ عَلِيكَ حَقًّا He said, indeed, for your wife, there is a right, and for your guest, there is a right, and for your body, there is a right. So, it does not mean that we have to abandon the world and everything becomes seeking knowledge. Nor is it obviously that we fulfill the rights and abandon seeking knowledge. But we have to strike a balance in between the two. And this will vary for every person. Not every person is in the same circumstances. Allah has put each of us in different circumstances. Some people, Allah facilitates for them the seeking of knowledge with more time, with more ability, with more understanding. But everyone has to strive in accordance with what is in his capacity in order to remove the jahl, as we said, and to uh, lay the foundations and to help him fulfill the obligations which are due upon him. And so this is all I wanted to really say. Alhamdulillah, uh, we have with us today Sheikh Hassan al-Somali, Sheikh Awais al-Tawil, and Sheikh Abdulillah Lahmami, and these are uh, students of knowledge who have sat with the ulama, with the scholars, the likes of Sheikh Muqbil and Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen and Sheikh uh, bin Baz and Sheikh Rabi and Sheikh Ubaid 
and Sheikh Zayd al-Madkhali and other than them from the great scholars of this era. And so we ask Allah to uh, benefit us through what we are going to listen to. And um, inshallah, as we said, uh, the moment you leave your house and come to the masjid, you are engaged in ibadah. This is ibadah, to seek knowledge and to seek ilm. And so this is not a light affair, as I said. And a believer, like you heard in those narrations, there should be, the, the as, as Ibn al-Jawzi said, that the, the tasteness that you sweet, that, that, that you, the, sorry, the sweetness that you taste, sorry, uh, that when you go through hardships and you listen to knowledge or you hear a narration or you hear something from a scholar or you hear an ayah or a hadith that, you know, the, the, the ladha, the taste of, of that sweetness is something that should drive you and keep you going and pursuing this ilm, inshallah ta'ala. So I'll end it there, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, first lecture today will be by Sheikh Hassan and so we'll leave the, the, the floor for him to commence his lesson insha'Allah ta'ala in uh, very very shortly insha'Allah walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in